there, all you creeps. Another episode coming your way. This is going to be another DC anthology horror show. Um, I have uh, the yard sale artist himself, Jared Albrick here. Uh, first time to the show. Great to have him on from the Longbox Crusade. Definitely check out uh, their feed and everything they have going on. But uh, Jared and I are going to jump into a DC anthology here, A House of Mystery. Really, really cool issue with some really good stories in it, so stay tuned. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Bronze Age of Horror Comics. And I got a fun episode for you today because I have a really super cool comic. And we're right in the midst here of the uh, Halloween season with this recording. And I have a brand new guest to the show. So please welcome the yard sale artist himself, Jared Albrick. How are you, man? Hello, sir. Hello. Thank you, having, thank you for having me into your uh, house of mystery here. I'm very excited to be here. And um, yeah, Halloween season's upon us, isn't it? Oh, it's fantastic. And, you know, right away I saw a video you had done where you were talking about a uh, showcase edition of some DC anthology stuff. And I was like, aha, mm. I'm gonna, uh, <laughs> I, I see someone else who uh, <laughs> has some interest <laughs> in these. Uh, so uh, I really, I haven't been too deep into DC at all, but especially not these DC anthologies, like real heavy, except for the last couple of years. So uh, I know you were saying about being, you know, fairly new to horror uh, comics as well, right? Absolutely, yeah. When you saw me post that, I finished it video, and I think I had—you'd probably remember better than me because that was a long time ago that I recorded that. Like, was that House of Mystery Volume Two Showcase? I believe so. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I found that at a at an Ollie's. You know, Ollie's is a great place mm-hmm. to find trades. I think I paid like three dollars for it. Oh. And, uh, I don't dabble a lot in the horror comics. It's like something I missed out in my youth. So coming back to to, to check that out is is very new to me, and so. Horror comics and Western comics are things I passed on a lot in my youth. So it's kind of fun to go discover these really old books, but they're new to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel the same way, too. And I mean, I always was big on uh, horror, but the Marvel side of things, uh, because I really love the characters they had, like, you know, Dracula, and Morbius and uh, Man Thing and all that kind of stuff. But when I finally got my hands on a few of these uh, single issues that are getting crazy expensive now. Uh, so they're, they're harder and harder to get uh, on the cheap. So when you can find a collection like you did, you need to grab them because that's the, the best way to find them. But I really started getting into these, you know, once I grabbed a few singles and I just thought, man, I really want to get my hands on more. And I was able to grab some collections at a, a pretty cheap price. So I've been just going bananas, uh, just reading them, talking about them and just, oh, I, I can't get enough of them. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. The one we're going to cover today, I actually have the single issue for. I found at a Christian mission store recently. So that's mm, cool. Yeah. Yeah. See, I don't find it's just there's not really too many places around me to find single issue comics. Every once in a while, uh, my wife and I will be at an antique shop and you'll see something laying around. But usually it's nothing I'm interested in or it's mm-hmm. just in tatters. So yeah, other than yeah. comic, yeah, other than comic shops and uh, Feebay, there's really not a whole lot of options <laughs> for me. <laughs> yeah, this one is fairly tattery. It's got a nice rolled spine to it and a couple chips on the cover. But, you know, sometimes, my friend, that is a it's part of the fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a. Uh, Low grade is better than no grade kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I have, I think, exactly, maybe, okay, exactly four slabbed comics in my collection. Other than that, like, I like to read my comics, so. 
Yeah, I own one slab, and it isn't even one I paid for. I actually won it in a contest. <laughs> That's <laughs> I was the way off. to do it. That's even better than my yard sale prices and acquisitions. <laughs> yeah, I was actually the high buyer of the month for a, an online store, so that was what I got. And I was like, oh, cool. And I'm still pondering just breaking it out of there because it's a single issue I do not own. It's a, a, a late Silver Age before Kirby went back from Marvel to DC again. Uh, one of his Thor books. And, oh, oh, love it. Very nice. Yeah, so I should just break that out of there. should release <laughs> it. <laughs> but yeah, today you and I are going to be talking about, like you said, House of Mystery. And this is uh, issue number 184 with a uh, January, February 1970 cover date. And speaking of the cover, we have uh, Mr. Neil Adams here. So what are your thoughts on this cover? It's interesting. It's, it's you know, just describe it for your audience it's it's a uh, <laughs> like a couple of kids like playing in the dirt on a porch and then looking in through the door is like demon stuff going on inside. <laughs> so it's, like, it's a weird one but like i could definitely see like it's appeal on a spinner rack mm-hmm. You're like what is going on in this crazy ritual that these kids you know are clearly shocked to have access to you know and i want to know more too what are these kids doing here What's going yeah. on with that rit- ritual? And one of the kids is like like putting sand in a bucket. He's totally chill. He doesn't care about the ritual. The other two kids are kind of fascinated. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a good cover. Yeah, it's great. This is a comic that if I was a little kid and had this, my mom would have been like, yeah, you can't have that. And that would have been the end of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can definitely see where more conservative parents would be like, that's a hard pass right there. <laughs> yeah, she would have been like, get rid of that. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's really, really cool. It's, uh, you know, it's not something that we see actually happen in the book, but right. uh, there is there is a crazy story with some, you know, wild Egyptian stuff here. And uh as soon as you open the uh, front page and see this uh, inside the cover here, uh, we see it right away with this beautiful Alex Toth uh, illustration here with some hieroglyphics. And then uh, my favorite part of the hieroglyphics is Kane. <laughs> He's one of them. Right. <laughs> there he is. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. And then there, there's a whole like a little uh, paragraph there. It says about what's going on. And, you know, we basically uh, it, it, I guess that's Kane speaking. And, you know, he uh, leads us right into the first story here, which is a, uh, Turner's treasure. Uh, and this one is a script. I, I can't really find really solid credits on that. Maybe Joe Orlando, but it's uh, Alex Toth uh, uh, pencils and inks, which is uh, oh, and letters, of course, as well, uh, which is uh, always a treat. What do you think, Alex Toth? Oh, he's, he's, he's amazing. I just got done reading his uh, formerly uncredited run on Zorro for Disney Comics. I have that collected edition. And Alex is definitely one of those artists who can do so much with a little. You know, it's one of those artists where you can look at his art style and you can just tell he's fast, but his speed does not sacrifice quality. I, to put it in a more uh, modern, I guess, artist, although I think he recently passed away, he reminds me kind of of Tim Sale with this beautiful simplicity. Mm. That he brings to it there's there's not a wasted line and there's not an extra line anywhere <laughs> if you get what i'm saying it's it's yeah. very efficient art and it's very well done yeah it's incredible stuff uh he like you said he always makes the most of everything sometimes his you know uh, his work isn't overly you know it, i wouldn't say it's simplistic but it's not overly complicated either but he always does a great job of you know conveying 
you know, a really good story through his artwork. And I always enjoy it. Yeah. Another artist that springs to mind would be like Herb Trimpey, especially on like those early GI Joes and that art mm. work. It's, you know, it's not super flashy. And like you said, simplistic is almost an insulting word for it, but it's uh, efficient is probably the best word. Yeah. But yeah. It's, it, you know, it's funny how when, you know, you're young and I think you and I are probably roundabouts a similar age, you see stuff like Jim Lee or Todd McFarlane and it's real ornate and you think, oh, you know, why can't it all be like that? Then you get older and you start to learn how comics are made and mm-hmm. you start to really appreciate the guys that can crank volume at a really cool and crisp level. And, and he's one of those guys, you know, he can he can get a book out on time to Alex can and still make it look great. So that's what I like about it. Yeah. And I know, you know, he bounced back uh, from comics to animation quite a few times and um, I like him just because of, uh, you know, I like his artwork and I like the animation work he's done. And by a, a lot of accounts, he was a bit of a curmudgeon, too. Uh, so I like him even more <laughs> <Yeah>. for that. <laughs> yeah, I was reading some of this background stuff in that Zorro book I was just telling you about. And I definitely got the impression that he was a cranky guy. <laughs> yeah, people were like, great artist. But, you know, man, was he a schlong. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I love it. <laughs> like, I like him even more now. <laughs> Like he was the cranky old guy at the office. I love it. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I I, I resonate I, I, with that uh, that mentality now <laughs> at this stage in life. <laughs> Absolutely. So, all right, well, yeah, Turner's treasure here. So, there's a, a quick, tiny little uh, synopsis here on uh, DC fandom. So, I'll just read that quick, and then we'll jump right into the story. Uh, so, this is a, a philosophy professor lives to regret abandoning his job so that he can make an expedition to Egypt and locate a treasure, which turns out to be the cursed 30 silver coins of Judas. So, okay. All right. So <laughs> starting out with this first page here, really good splash page here. It kind of is uh, showing what happens already right in the middle of the story where we see this uh, Professor Turner guy, and uh, he's uh, diving headfirst like Scrooge McDuck here into these uh, treasures, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I love its use of uh, simplistic, I guess, or once again, efficient color use. It's not a lot of colors, but all well used. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a neat scene. It's almost like, you know, the the, the there's like a, a wall or something maybe, and it's kind of like melted away so we can see into this chamber where he's uh, grabbing all these uh, necklaces and coins and all these uh, golden goodies here. And there's a couple of wild looking uh, hieroglyphics on the wall and his wife, this poor Anne. Uh, she, she, uh, is there like, kind of like, oh my gosh, with her, her hand on her chest, like, oh, what's going on? And then we, uh, dive right into what happened that led to that, which is, you know, him teaching at a university and basically saying to his students, like, well, this is, uh, my last lecture. So, uh, have a nice life. I'm going to, uh, go treasure hunting, <laughs> 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 which is kind of wild. Yeah. And the people are like treasure, what? And it shows, uh, a custodian at the college here who is Kane. <laughs> in a pair of overalls, yeah. which is fantastic. And the wife is just like, no way, you just quit your job. What are you doing? And the whole time up until now, I'm thinking to myself, I mean, hey, the guy looks like he's probably ready for retirement anyway, so let him do what he wants in retirement. And then she goes on to say, but Paul, you can't. What's happened to you? You're a 45-year-old professor. And I'm thinking to myself, 
wow, that's 45. I'm thinking, holy smokes, like I'm a couple years older than that. I don't look that bad yet. Like this guy must have had, had a hard life. I don't know if he was in a Turkish prison or something or where this guy I was. I don't but... know if Woo. you saw it, but I, uh, when I first got this book, and that was before we started talking about recording this, so maybe you didn't see it, but I posted that panel on Twitter. And I was like, this dude has had the hardest life. And it generated a lot of conversation. What was really funny about it is a lot of college professors chimed in and said, well, if he's been doing freshman level classes his entire career, it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if he's like, doing introdu introductory funny. courses, yeah, he, he's a, he has had a hard life. <laughs> yeah, yeah he definitely looks, you know, 60 to 70 years old. Probably upper 60s, lower 70s, the way he's drawn. And she said, well, you're a 45-year-old professor. I was like, okay. Yeah, I'm thinking to myself, um, okay. If she would have said, like, 55, I'd be like, okay, maybe. But 45, I'm like, yeah, I don't know about that. Just the way uh, Toth drew him. He, he does look older and white hair and white mustache and beard. He just... They're like kind of lion's wrinkles on his face. He he looks a lot older than 45. I wonder how old Toth was when he drew it. Like if Toth was in his, like maybe his late 20s, it would have, maybe that's what he thought 45 was like. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he was thinking probably at 45. This is what I'm going to. Well, Toth was born in 1928. So he was. Oh, he was well over. Er, early 40s. Yeah, 40s. Yeah. Yeah. Like 42 when he did this. So. <laughs> So, Maybe, yeah, he was seeing it three more years, and this is what I'm going to look like. This is it. This is the end of the road for Alex. <laughs> 45 zit. I'm going down. Yeah, Alex was like, yeah, I'm going to go be a treasure hunter after this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fantastic. But, yeah, so, you know, he basically is like, you know, sorry, Ann. Uh, you know, we're, we're, you know, whether you're coming with me or not, we're, I'm going to uh, Egypt because I found out a little clue about where there might be some treasure hidden, and, you know, he meets up with this uh, crazy guy here that's like, you know, he's like an official or something from Egypt. And they're talking. He says about, you know, I want your secrecy and I need all these provisions and tools to do this, you know, this dig. And then I really enjoy that on the story page three there at the very bottom. There's a, a shot of, you know, this crazy like tomb that he goes into. And that looks really neat. Are you still on mute? <laughs> Yeah, sorry. And I, I got yeah. some text coming. I didn't want you to pick it up. No, Anyways, no, you're good. I like the very uh, slimy, casual uh, local guy. It's all a matter of money. The way he's drawn, like, it's all a matter of money. You know, we can work all mm -hmm. this out. I also like the panel previous to that was very Indiana Jones traveling to mm -hmm. land. But yeah, yeah, very cool. Very good stuff there. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And then uh, he does uh, find this crazy tomb and he's like, oh, these treasures, I'm rich, I'm rich. And his eyes, like the way Toth draws him, like he's starting to go like, you know, crazy here and get a little psychotic. And then mm -hmm. the wife is like, dude, like we got to get out of here. This is crazy. There's there's something going on. There's evil all around us. And then we see this image of this uh, Egyptian god and it does look kind of demonic. That's uh, kind of like uh, hanging over him now. And he grabs all this uh, loot. And wow, this next page here, uh, page five, is this crazy or what? So <laughs> the two of them are asleep outside, uh, and he gets woken up by this uh, demon guy, and it's telling him, like, look at her, pretending to sleep. You fool, she wants your treasure. Get rid of her now before she gets rid of you and takes it off for herself. And he goes over and he kills his wife. I mean, we've all been there. <laughs> yeah, really, right? Like, <laughs> I mean... I 
I know uh, she wants my comic collection. I better. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, like the demon truly got got you know into him, and and there's a really cool sort of uh, color color key like in that last panel on page four. You talk about where the demon shows up. He's got crazy eyes, and and he's colored in green. You know that that mm-hmm. color of envy. You know the color of greed, and and then the demon basically does his demon thing. You know, and just kind of works on him, and now he's a he's a wife killer. Which is not a good place to be. Yeah, he kind of didn't really. Uh, it didn't t- seem like it took much of a push there either. So I'm, I'm wondering if there was some friction with uh, Paul and Anne before this that we. That I mean, we I kind of thought see. that too, but then I was also <laughs> like, well, I mean, they did kind of have their spat about this is a pretty huge life change, and we didn't really discuss it. And then, but she rolled with it. She was like, you know, I'm I'm with you. You know, I thought that spoke well of the relationship. But now nah, he's. He's all the way in, and he's under the under the thumb of the demon now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if I was her, I would have been like, I'll, I'll see you when you get back, pal. I'll, I'll be here at the house. You... Yeah, I'll help you count the treasure upon your return. <laughs> yeah, have fun over there. But yeah, he then uh, meets up with uh, a buyer here for some of his uh, treasures. He's uh, looking to sell some of it, and uh, this Beshari guy and. He's like, you know, here's a you know a bracelet that's worth you know a king's ransom. You know, get me a plane out of here. Uh, on the sly so he doesn't have to go through customs and deal with you know the government saying hey what'd you steal and he takes off in a plane and i love uh, the caption box it says yes paul turner got his plane and pilot and embarked at once for home by a circuitous route to avoid customs inspections along the way he could not know the strange fate of his cairo buyer and the next thing we know we see the buyer guy and he's dead and he has the bracelet in his hand and i guess the cops are there and they're like oh he looks like he died of fright and this is an interesting thing. So the the, the story kind of changes slightly here where, you know, we saw this uh, Egyptian demon kind of, uh, you know, coerce him into killing his wife. And it seems like from here on out in the story, the demon's actually the one doing the killing. Mm-hmm. Very true. Yeah, which is kind of wild. I mean, that scene there, you really don't know what happened. He, he could have killed this guy. But going forward here, like when we get to this... Uh, Next part where I guess he's, you know, maybe back in the United States and he's trying to, uh, you know, sell some of this uh, uh, hot, you know, jewelry here and coins and stuff like that. And he finds some guy that wants to buy it off of him. And he uh, is like, here you go. You know, here's your uh, trinket. Now give me the money. And then we see the demon push the guy out in front of a bus. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Threw him under the bus is a phrase that gets thrown around a lot these days. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Thrown, thrown under the bus by a demon that adds a whole new level mm-hmm. and the ghost what, of a demon yeah yeah it's like a spectral kind of image and he's dead jack jumped right out in front of us so oh, i guess the, yeah it's wild isn't it it sounds it just occurred to me that'd be a great title for our debut album thrown <laughs> under the bus by the ghost of a demon <laughs> <laughs> and then he's here by himself and he goes these coins are my last and most valuable pieces. After selling them, I'll live like a king for keeps. And he's got a bunch of coins out on a table. And then uh, he goes to this uh, place, and it's what does he say about it? There it is. Not too impressive a place for one of the best healed fences on the coast. And <laughs> he goes into this guy, and he's like, hey, man, I want to sell you these coins. And the guy says, you have more of these coins? And he says, I told you how many I had and my price. Now stop this stupid game. And the guy's like, all right, cool, man. I'll, I'll meet whatever price you want. Just, uh, you know, bring them all here. And he's like, all right, I'll be back with all of them at 9 o'clock tonight and have the cash ready. And then we see this guy, and I don't know if he's supposed to be like a gorilla or what. 
I, I feel like that's the spirit of the demon now in the guy. You know, like he started out a regular guy, but like the yeah. spirit of the demon got into him. So he like he, the spirit of the demon is is using this guy to betray our uh, 45 year old professor. <laughs> I think his name is Paul. Yeah, Paul. Yeah, Paul Turner. But yeah, he calls the it calls the cops on him. Mm-hmm. And then he says you'll also contact contact the Egyptian police and he'll be back at nine tonight. And. You know, we see him. He shows up, uh, Turner, with the money here, and he's looking all around, and he sees he's surrounded by the cops, and he goes, you know, oh, no, I'm trapped. And he, he clobbers one of the cops with this bag full of coins and takes off, and he runs, and it almost looks like he's, uh, you know, at, like, a, a an oceanfront, you know, town here, like, a, a you know, a town right, right by the, the sea or the ocean or something here, and he starts creeping around underneath, like, you know where there's like a dock or something like that and mm-hmm. <laughs> i love how he he between the weight of himself and these coins uh a uh, 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 board breaks and he goes falling into you know like i said the sea or the ocean here and then the last page this is hilarious i love this one where he's <laughs> it's going to the bottom oh definitely it's it's what i was saying it's interesting that he died because he refused to let go mm-hmm Although it said, I can't let go. So I don't know how, you know, how much the demon's involved. And then it really all leads to that last gorgeous art panel of mm. his, his decomposed skeleton still holding the bag of coins at the bottom of the river. Um, just, just a really cool. So, yeah, it's, it's a fantastic tale, my friend. And it's fantastically drawn. Yeah, I couldn't. I I didn't know if they were trying to like kind of just make it a mystery here, like a house of mystery, where he's like, I can't let go. Meaning, you know, was the the demon kind of at play here and wouldn't allow him to let go, right, even yeah. though he wanted to, or was he just still so greedy he didn't want to let go? You really don't know. Yeah, I, I like to think a little column A, a little column B, like the demon has 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 made him so greedy that he just can't. Yeah. And then we get uh, a well, that's a super cool story. Really enjoyed that one a lot. And then we get a, uh, a Sergio Aragonis here. <laughs> it's a, a diploma, and it says awarded to, and you, get, you sign your name to it. Man, they did a lot of crazy stuff. They were just begging for kids to like cut out comics pages, weren't they? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Jeez, <laughs> don't do it, kids. Yes, comics are your friend. Don't cut them up. So yeah, it's a it's like a diploma, and it says. For buying this magazine, the publishers award you this diploma. You deserve it. Just fill in your name, cut along the dotted line, frame it, and hang it on your wall. Now you belong to the Page 13 Club. And I love the illustrations. They look really creepy. There's this really <laughs> scary, creepy-looking guy on the side here with these like little creatures and monsters. That's awesome. He's got a crow on his shoulder, too. It, it is it is <laughs> awesome. And what's interesting about it is it sounds to me like you're reading it from one of your reprint collections, right? Yeah, it's in the anonymous. They give you the diploma immediately after the 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 silver at the bottom of the river, the end of the story. Is that what they do? Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, in the original issue, it comes right before that. Oh, okay. The, from the fall of the river to the last page because it's literally on the 13th page of the book. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And ads and all that. It is on the 13th page. So hence the page 13 award. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I, I do think, you know, again, these people are insane. Like if there was an ad on the other side of that, 
you know, I, I don't know how it is in the original, but on the reprint, you know, the omnibus edition here, you turn the page and it's the first page of the next story. And I'm thinking you would have cut out the first page of the next story. In this case, it's, it's maybe worse because you would have cut out that gorgeous ending panel of the skeleton holding the coin. Yeah. Like what a psycho. Like I'm yeah. thinking, come on, man, what are you oh, doing? Don't teach kids to do this crazy stuff. <laughs> so, so I guess that makes my next question. Cause you said it's the first page of the next story. So you, you don't have a Kane's game room. Between... I think that's later. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I think they put that after this last story here. Oh, okay. So they rearranged before... it a little. Yeah, they did. You get the Kane's game room. Um, and then another like half page, uh, illustration from Aragonis there too which is really cool we'll talk about them but yeah they they shifted them around for some reason i don't know why they would do that what difference does it make right, you know right. in, in these but they did right. so all right next story here uh, this one is called the eyes of the basilisk and uh it's uh, scripted by e nelson bridwell uh and we know him he was a longtime dc guy i think he was even around the golden age and he did a lot for i think superman there in the silver age you know and early bronze age you know i'm not uh, kinda... as familiar with him so that i'm learning something right now yeah i think he helped flesh out a lot of the superman universe and stuff like that if i'm not mistaken in like the silver age for dc like you know a lot of the uh you know because the golden age superman there wasn't really a lot of backstory and whatever else you know like the bottle city of candor and all that stuff i don't think he, he heard about that till silver age until he started kind of expanding it okay. and then but wow pencils gil kane inks wally wood Holy moly. So this is fantastic. <laughs> that would oh, explain man. why it looks so dang good. <laughs> yeah, you're not kidding. So, yeah, this one's an interesting one. And uh, this one, uh, you know, it's it's again, it's only uh, like, you know, nine and a half pages. But it's it's a really cool story. And uh, I'll just read this little quick synopsis for this one, too. It says a basilisk menaces the valley. So the king issues a proclamation that whoever can slay it will marry the princess and inherit the kingdom. Two brothers attempt to slay the creature, but the first brother to try fails, even though he has polished his shield to be able to look solely at the creature's reflection. The second brother vows to avenge his brother, even though he is armed only with a mirror. The basilisk hisses in frustration as the second brother stands before its gaze unharmed. The man lifts the mirror and the reflected power strikes it dead. All right. So uh, why don't we talk about this one? So this is a pretty neat story. I like these kind of stories that they're like, you know, more like adventure stories. And, you know, kind of reminds me of almost like a Thor story from Marvel a little bit. Yeah, it's definitely stood out to me because it's not as uh, horror as you might expect from the House of Mystery. It is it is more of a fable, you know, mm -hmm. type of a story. But man, uh, the art on it is just amazing. And it's not a bad story. It's a good story. It just felt a little out of place in this book, but eh, the art more than makes up for it. <laughs> mm, yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, Kane and Wood really do a great job here drawing this uh, serpent creature. Uh, on the very first page there, I was like, you know, a tear was like coming from my eye when you see how <laughs> it killed like half a dozen cows. I'm like, dude, like the burgers, the steaks, like, come on, man. <laughs> yeah. That one on the bottom left. <laughs> with a completely shocked face like what the hell is going on <laughs> he, yeah he he has that look on his face where you're just like i think this is a fart but then it, it's not and that's... <laughs> he's very concerned <laughs> by his current situation <laughs> yep for sure <laughs> well this thing starts going bananas though and killing people left and right it can either you know like uh, it has like poison i don't know if it's just from the fangs or a bite or something or it just like secretes it in its saliva 
or it can just stare at you and you just go, you don't turn to stone. It just, you know, it stare just kills you. I'm not sure how it does that. If it gives you a heart attack or what happens, but you know, some kind of uh, magic, but it just, it just kills you. And, you know, of course, everybody's like, what's going on here? And there's an old guy in town that's like, I know all about it. It's the basilisk, the king of the serpents. And he kind of goes on and tells everybody the little story here about, you know, how this thing is, uh, killed a, a prince and this and that and i like that when there's just you know the old guy to kind of tell everybody all the youngsters here like this is what's going on and they kind of laugh at him yeah <laughs> like uh whatever old man yeah i'm thinking yeah they call him and, and i love how the old man retorts would you test the basilisk's poison go yourself then to the valley whence the lad escaped the town will be rid of one fool <laughs> <laughs> that's old man wisdom right there Mm hmm. Yeah. So we see it. It's still on a rampage and it's out in this valley and he's just like, leave it alone. Don't go out there and antagonize it. Maybe they'll stay out there in the valley and not come to the village. And that's kind of what happens here for a while. But then <laughs> we see this uh, king, the king of Karanek, and who was also called Lundru. And he says he was saddened by the curse that had fallen on his kingdom and sent for his chief wise man, Canthros, who uh, looks like a young cane. <laughs> which is hilarious yeah <laughs> and uh, the king says to him you're a great wizard how can we get rid of this basilisk and he's like i don't know it's beyond my power dude and he's like what's the use of having you around if you can't solve my problems <laughs> i love that scene between the two of them what do you think oh it's great it's great yeah like uh i got nothing king you know and then he came up with, with an idea he was like hey you know uh find some fool to go do it you know i, I also like how just before that the the basilisk is like just his presence. Like it says, trees withered and grass died. The lake became stagnant, polluted. So like uh, this, this basilisk is not EPA certified. <laughs> you can confirm that. But yeah, <laughs> the king's like, I got my wise man. And the dude's like, I got nothing. <laughs> basically, all he does is come up with a plan to get other people to try to kill it, which is not bad. <laughs> yeah, he basically says to the king, I don't know how to stop it. But I know how we can have a good time watching other people get killed. <laughs> what? <be> very entertaining. <laughs> yeah, like I know what to make a good TV show here. Let's, let's 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 try this. Let's send a bunch of people out. And he goes, but he says about you know, hey, let's uh, tempt the men to go out there by saying you know, whoever can stop them can marry the daughter and be the heir to the kingdom. So of course, a bunch of horny guys are like, yeah, let's do it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's how most things get done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and <laughs> but yeah, a bunch of these knuckleheads go out there, and it's it, they don't last very long at all. They get all they all get killed, even though they're all like talking up of how they're going to do this and that. Like they're all real cocky, but they last about ten seconds in front of this serpent. Yeah, it's a mm -hmm. very well drawn serpent. Oh man, yeah, it's fantastic. And then uh, we we see, uh, you know, like we said, I said in the synopsis, there are these two brothers. And uh, one, I believe, is called uh, Dursus, and uh, he's like, you know, the, the little more of the, the arrogant one. He's like, oh, I'll take care of this guy, and that's what he does. He gets his shield and shines it all up so he can see his reflection in it, and he says, this is how I'm going to kill the beast. You know, I'll go out there with my, you know, sword or, you know, spear or whatever, and I'll use the uh, reflection to see him coming, and then I'll, you know, take care of him. And uh, his brother, Ulfar, is like, all right, buddy, you know, have fun with that. I'll be waiting here for you, and <laughs> he tries to use the shield to, uh, you know, uh, use it as like a mirror, but even the gaze in the mirror kills him. So that's the end of him. And uh, his uh, brother, Ulfar, is like, oh, no, that's him. The monster killed him. And he tries to go running in there to help him. And 
there's a guy there and he's like, no, and holds him back. And easy, lad. The brute would only get you too. It's too late to save your brother. And uh, I do like how up until this point, you know, you see the brother and he doesn't look like he has anything different about him than any other character in this story. And this is on uh, story page seven when he's being held back. But then when you go to story page eight, uh, they don't color his pupils. He's mm. just got white eyes. And I didn't catch that. So <laughs> when I read this story, I'm just like, how's this dude going to stop him? And, you know, there's no way if anybody can, he, you know, it's, it's not going to happen, but you know, we see he does take the, uh, the basilisk down here and, uh, he's got a, a little secret here that they reveal at the end. Right. That's right. He is, uh, if you pay attention to clues, like you said, without the colorless eyes a little earlier, the fact that he's always walking around with a staff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we find out that uh, yeah, he is blind and therefore cannot be affected by the basilisk. Um, yeah, that's that's good. And and the death of the basilisk scene is really greatly drawn again. Ooh. That's a that's that's a pinup worthy page. And I just want to go back a couple pages to when mm-hmm. the first brother Dursus mm-hmm. is like going to ride in with his brilliant little his brilliant little scheme. <laughs> <And> <laughs> if, just take a minute to look at his horse. Who's like, oh man, are we really doing this? <laughs> He's got a real art, scared look on his face. Yeah, the art of the horse is like, man, are we doing it? And even the other horse is like, yeah, man, this is a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, and I, again, to, to, to chime back in on the artwork, you know, uh, you, you you'll know this because you're an artist. Uh, animals are not easy to draw, <laughs> and these horses look fantastic. They look incredible. Everything looks good. Yeah. You know. mm. Yeah, so, so good. And, you know, because there are some really, really good all-time great artists that weren't the best at drawing animals. So even when I see animals drawn well by, you know, Gil Kane and Wally Wood, I still always kind of marvel at it just because it's a, it's, it's a tough task. Indeed, sir. Indeed it is. As is, like, making just fictional creatures. Because, I mean, there's not – you can't even go, like, get some reference for the basilisk. You just kind of got to – Kind of guess, you know, there's no photo reference for a, for a basilisk. Yeah. But yeah, Gil and Wally, man, they put it together. Mm, yeah, like story. Yeah, like you said on page nine, uh, it, wow, is that incredible, the death scene for the, the serpent. It's, oh man, that is so crazy. It's almost like, uh, it's almost like it's, it's, its soul is leaving its body. <laughs> yeah, like you get the dying basilisk with this, or extra image of its its shock and its moment of death, all kind of put into a montage. It's quite cool. Quite cool. Yeah, and then the the, the part of it where it's like it's kind of dying is like colored out, like almost like a a light brown or almost like a gray tone, mm-hmm. and it's you know falling down to the ground there. And of course, uh, our buddy Ulfar here goes back to the uh, the kingdom, and yay, he's our next king, and everybody's uh you know cheering him on like he's the greatest. And that's when they uh you know they reveal that you know I didn't. You know, he wasn't going to hurt me because I'm blind and his blue, his blue eyes are back there, though, for that part. So I'm not sure. What, I'm not sure about that on that last page there, why the blue is back, because I thought it looked really good when it went to white there to kind of, you know, let you know what was going on. But I do love how Kane wraps things up and says, that's the tale and I can vouch for it. After all, look at the wise Canthros. Who does he look like to you? He he. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but. All right, so yeah, two really awesome stories there, man. This is a really good book, and then like you were saying about the Canes game room too. So <laughs> these are fantastic. I love these. Like when I was a kid, 
I would not have even looked at these. I would have been like, oh, those are for little babies. I'm not even looking at them. Like I would have thought I was too cool for these. But now I love them. They are hilarious. <laughs> what order do you get them in, sir, in your book? So the first, the last two pages of, uh, of this this are the Kane's game room. And the first one is a full page where it's three uh, vertical panels. Okay. Yep. Got it. Mm -hmm. And the, the first <laughs> vertical panel shows a Sasquatch. And apparently he just scared a person that was trying to uh, film him. Cause there's like some kind of camera. It almost looks like an old movie camera laying there on the ground. And someone who's jumped or I'm sorry, ran up the side of a hill or ran up the side of a mountain straight up to get away from this Sasquatch here. <laughs> Right. The theme for all three of these is going to be people not paying attention to things <laughs> until it's too late. Yeah, like the second one. That one's really cool, too. It's like, uh, you know, the Skipper and Gilligan here, they're uh, they're just like looking like what's going on. They're looking away and the guy's an umbrella over his uh, head and there's this giant tidal wave that's just about to wipe him out. <laughs> Look I love it. Way. Mm -hmm, love it. And then the third one is a guy carrying a sign that says good luck charms 50 cents and there's a safe that was being uh hauled up the side of a building with a rope and the rope has broken and it's about to fall <laughs> yeah that's fantastic and what about these other two uh the two horizontal ones on the other page what do you think of those two <laughs> well in the, in my book like i said uh, you get your first one first one which is the fly and it happens right after the first story Mm -hmm. And then the other two happen, um, but in the middle of the Basilisk story. If you if you notice, your Basilisk story actually has a part one and a part two. Mm -hmm. uh, this the other two, uh, the the one we just talked about with the Sasquatch and the tidal wave and the safe, that's actually paired up with the the other two in the middle that breaks that up. So it's very much in a different order. And I've also noticed that the fly and the other two short ones are half pagers. So I'm betting they combine them into a full page in your. Oh, yeah. Probably. The other half has ads. One is for a model rocket, and the other is for like a super souped up bicycle. Yeah. I mean, that is one, the only criticism I probably really have about when you get trades is, you know, obviously for. Know, reasons of you know cost and printing extra pages they don't print ads but man i i really miss seeing those in these oh, trades yeah. it's got some cool ads but anyway back to the to the canes game room we've got the fly which is basically just a guy trying to read a newspaper and this fly is bothering his house and he takes the newspaper he swats it and the fly gives off about two and a half gallons of bug guts all over, <laughs> all over his wall. <laughs> so there's the gag tiny fly giant bug gut splatter that's great. Oh, uh, <laughs> and then the other half page one, there's a guy like a security guard at a museum for an Egyptian exhibit. And uh, one of the uh, caskets, or I'm sure I'm not using the right word. <laughs> oh, like a sarcophagus or something. Thank you. Maybe. That's the word I'm looking for. One of the sarcophagi, because yeah. there's more than one. Uh, <laughs> there's a saw coming out of it. Someone's clearly trying to saw their way out of it. And the <laughs> security guard is quite frightened. And then That's your, great. Your final single horizontal one is uh, sort of an invisible man joke as the doctor is removing bandages from his patient and realizes there's no one underneath and the nurse behind them is freaking out as well. So those are your Kane's Game Room. This issue.
Yeah, that girl almost looks like she escaped from an Archie comic to just yeah, be in this she one. Yeah, it looks like very, very much uh, Betty uh, working part time as a candy striper there. So. <laughs> yeah, I love how too on that one the the doctor that's unraveling the bandages. He's so shocked his uh, glasses are yes. flying up into the air. flying up into a good two two uh, two. Well, not two feet, maybe one foot over his head. His glasses <laughs> have jumped. Yeah, that's fantastic. So, all right, well, that's it for this issue here. So, overall, what do you think? Pretty good issue, right? Absolutely. You know, again, I am very taken with these uh, 70s, uh, 60s, 70s, even the 80s horror comics. This is a genre I passed, in, passed on in my youth. And so this was a lot of fun, and I really enjoyed, uh, especially, I thought the stories were good, and I thought the art was great. I mean, Alex Talkfield came while we were. This is a this is artistically an amazing book, and it was entertaining, and I enjoyed reading it. It was cool to find it at the local uh, Christian mission. And then when you hit me up about being on the show, I was like, "Hey, I just bought these comics. Can we do this because <laughs> I have it in my hand?" And you were kind enough to shift gears and let us do this, and so I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Oh, you betcha! I thank you for uh, you know coming on to talk about it. But uh, all right, well, let's transition now to what you have going on. So. Uh, you are part of the Long Box Crusade, and like I had said earlier, too, you are also an artist. So uh, why don't you talk about those things uh, right now? Oh, goodness. How much time do you have? Let's, uh, <laughs> plenty. First. Plenty. <laughs> so many different things going on. Let's start with podcasting. Yeah, if, if you guys have enjoyed this this banter, we, we talk old uh, comics and TV and movies and all kinds of stuff on the Long Box Crusade Network. You can find me over there. And I just, just type Long Box Crusade, and you'll find our main feed that has all of our different shows on it. And then from there, you can kind of pick and choose which shows you like, or you can just stay with the main feed. And Sorry about that. Or you could just stay with the main feed. That was my alarm going off telling me it's time to podcast with you. Because <laughs> I'm one hour off <laughs> time zone-wise. <laughs> <laughs> pretty close pretty close we're good oh <laughs> uh, anyways yeah you could uh, for long box crusade check out our main feed see what you like and then as far as uh personally i am uh, at yard sale artist on twitter facebook and instagram and you can check out my website www.theyardsaleartist.com that's where i sell my wares i specialize in book page sketches uh, this is where my hobby of yard sailing crosses over with my artistic outlet and so i go yard sailing perfect example i'm looking out on my table right now I went to actually a Goodwill this week and sitting there on the shelf was an old Star Trek Deep Space Nine book. So I plucked that off the shelf, paid probably mm. a whopping quarter for it. And now because I, I love finding them that way because they're beat up and they're old. I don't like I don't go get new books and destroy them, but I'll take an old beat up book like this one. I'll find the good pages in it. I'll I go through them because I got OCD. Right. So I wanted let's say I want to draw mm-hmm. Captain Cisco. I'll flip through, look for the good pages and make sure Captain Cisco's mentioned on that page. I will very carefully cut that out with a with a blade, and then I will draw Captain Cisco on the page uh where he is mentioned in the book. And uh that's what I do. That's my main thing I do is book page sketches. Of course, I also do some other independent comics work, but again, I don't want this to take forever. So just you know. <laughs> or if you want to dig into what indie comics i work on we can do that but i don't want want you to have to be here all day just uh, check out www.theyardsaleartist.com and you can see what i got going on yeah and you do shows frequently too down that way right Hmm. i mean i've seen i've seen you on quite a few different shows do you uh, have any more this year like uh, november december oh that's a great question um i will Probably, I almost always do a November appearance at the Second and Charles uh, 
bookstore oh, nice. at, in uh, Dothan, Alabama, just down the road from me in Dothan. It's about 45 minutes away. They have me there about every November, right around Black Friday-ish, mm. you know, Christmas shopping time. They give me a table out front, and uh, so you can catch me there. Aside from that, I usually take off uh, December. That's just for the family and Christmas time and all that. Mm-hmm. And I got some feelers out there. There's supposed to be another convention here locally in my town of Enterprise, Alabama, in March. And I have tossed my name out for Pensacon in Pensacola, Florida in February. So we'll see if that uh, comes to light. But you can always catch me at the big shows I do are Heroes Con uh, every summer up there in Charlotte. And, of course, mm-hmm. Dragon Con in Atlanta. Those are two great places to catch me. Bigger shows where uh, maybe more of your listening audience might actually come out to the show and say hi. Yeah, that's awesome. And and second in Charles. Oh man, I love that store. <laughs> oh, my whole problem with doing the the thing at second in Charles is while I'm there selling my wares, making money, then I turn right around, <laughs> spend my money right there in the store. It's like basically I just go to pick up a couple of free things from second in Charles. But I, you know, shout out to second in Charles in Dothan. Great staff, make me feel totally welcome. And uh, just, just it's always a good time to go spend a day there, just chatting with people as they're coming in and out of the store. That second Charles, um, they carry my books, my comics, uh, the books I've done art for. You know, I've done some cover work, I've done some, some illustration work for other books. They carry all that stuff just because they like to support me. So I, I think cool. they're, they're quite wonderful. Yeah, they're awesome. There's one about 45 minutes to an hour from where I live that's pretty good. And then I discovered one. That is uh, about halfway between where I live and where I vacation in Delaware. So I have stopped at that one two years in a row now uh, coming home from vacation. And wow, that yeah. store even has more, of, of way more of a comics uh, a section, especially trades than what mm-hmm. the one does. That's closer to home for me. So I am going to hit that one up every time I'm uh, in that neighborhood. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's, it's Newark, maybe Newark, Delaware. Keep an eye out for their sales about three, four times a year. They'll do a buy five, get five free use mm. comics, or they'll do like a buy two, get one free on trades. Man, when they do that buy five, get five on use comics, I just go in there and go hog wild. Man. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, the, <laughs> the one that's closer to me, their comics, like single issues, they have a lot, but they are an absolute cluster fudge. Like you'll find 90 stuff and 80 stuff and then 2010 stuff. It's just, there's no rhyme or reason to it. And that drives me berserk. I can't take that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's, there's usually a, not a day where I have like, Oh, let's go there for three or four hours to look through all that to maybe find a couple of things. It's just, man, I, I just, I, I gotta go somewhere where it's at least either by, you know, decade or genre or something or alphabetized, just something to kind of have a little rhyme or reason to oh. it so I can look for what I really want to see. Oh, I feel bad for you. So scattershot. The guys that don't do a great job. It's all separated out. There's a Marvel, a DC, and like other uh, section. And then nice. it's all alphabetized after that. But underneath that table, there's tons of long boxes that they haven't organized yet. And you can go through them. But that's, you know, that's just you know, catch as catch can. Good luck, you know. <laughs> what you get under the under the table, that's where things get sketchy. But you can find some really cool stuff. And I mean, isn't that half the fun, really? You it know, is digging yeah. through the bins and oh, absolutely. That's my favorite part about going to a comic book store or a comic book show is you know, yeah, rifling through the bins. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And in in fact, you know, I was telling you I do these book page sketches, and then I turn them into prints. So I have these. And I'm not trying to sell stuff to your audience, but I have these very affordable <laughs> prints, but I have a ton of them. 
right? And and to get them all displayed on a small table like a Dragon Con or whatever, it's tough. And and a good friend of mine was like, you know, people who buy these things, they love comics, so they like the physical movement of you know the way your fingers move through a box. So mm -hmm. the they were like, put your prints in basically small versions of a long box. Mm -hmm. And people will actually enjoy going through them. And I've noticed that that was, they were totally right. <laughs> it's just like the act of going through a box. There's some amount of joy in it is kind of what I'm getting at. That's awesome. Yeah. There's a, there's like a science to trying to sell stuff. It's, it's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> it really I just, is. I love bin diving and it's kind of fun to watch as people come up to my table and they see my little tabs because I have everything alphabetical and it, 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 I can just tell that they're feeling that feeling of going into a comic book box. And that makes me happy because box diving's where it's at man mm, you're not kidding you're not kidding so all right well uh thanks for joining me for this one man this was a lot of fun you know it was uh it was cool to grab this one you know we had bounced around a couple of different ideas but uh i'm glad we settled on this one because uh it's it's two stories that are really really fun and like you said even if the stories aren't to your like you know liking or if you're just kind of uh, lukewarm about the stories the artwork in both of these is just phenomenal oh definitely like i said good stories but great art uh, I appreciate you having me on. I can remember when long ago when we were reading the names of people supporting the show on Longbox, I, we always got a kick out of Billy Delicious. <laughs> and it wasn't until like, I don't know, when you started talking to me about me on the show that I kind of like put that puzzle piece together. I was like, oh, this is Billy Delicious. That's him. <laughs> I know this name. Like, I didn't know you had a podcast. I apologize. I'm not good at knowing about podcasts that aren't mine. I'm the worst in the world on it. But mm -hmm. I was like, this is really cool. I feel like I'm coming full circle. And then, you, you know, it's about this topic that I'm sort of newly excited about. So it's just everything lined up and I'm really, really glad you had me on and I appreciate it. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I'm lucky if I didn't have a job where I had to be in my car a lot, I probably wouldn't listen to hardly any podcast just because my own stuff that I have going on takes so much of my time up. But I luckily, yeah, luckily I spend a lot of time for my job commuting and driving around all day for my job. So I burn through podcasts like crazy. <laughs> yeah, I, I because I am an artist, I pretty much work from home. But what I do is I, I have about a 45 minute to an hour walk I take every morning. That's my podcast listening time. I listen while I walk. So I hear you. Oh, yeah, that's that's good, man. Yeah, that's that's a good time to get it in. Right. Absolutely. All right. So, all right. Once again, uh, uh, thanks for being on, my friend. And uh, I'm going to jump out of here real quick and then come back in to wrap up the show. All right. Well, I'll just, um, I guess I'll just sit over here in the corner then. Don't mind mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. Yep. You just hang out. You just you hang out over yet, there. I think I'm going to go become a treasure hunter. <laughs> yeah. That's it. You, you should go to Egypt right now. Just tell I mean, just, just I'm say you're. I'm literally 45 years old. So, <laughs> what else is yeah. there to do? And you have uh, you have white hair and a white beard, and you've yeah. had it. Clearly, I look like Santa Claus. So, <laughs> all right, man, I'll stop wasting your time. Thanks for having me on the show. You bet, man. I could have stopped you before you booked your first date. Well, why didn't you? Why did you let me go on? You needed a lesson. You belong here, not in the theater. When I stumbled onto you, you were a two-bit concessionaire with a broken-down carny outfit. All you had was a leaky tent and a bag full of cheap tricks. I had a lovely wife. She was the only reason I took a second look at your flea-bitten show. The only reason you brought me here and gave me a job. She was a lot different then. For one thing, she had an innocent mind. But to you, that meant ignorance, and so you did your best to change it. She had one great weakness. 
consuming hunger for rich living, and I couldn't give her that. If you'd left us alone, she might have gotten over it. But you catered to it, built it up. I could see her change before my eyes. It was no surprise when she asked me for a divorce. You seem willing enough. She didn't try to deceive me. She told me what she wanted, and I let her have her way. It couldn't have bothered you much, or you wouldn't have stayed here on the job. I loved her, Ross. Oh. Oh. That's funny, isn't it? Yes, it would be to you. I knew you even then. I knew what could happen. I stayed on the job to pick up the pieces. Hey, you're lucky I took her off your hands. Look how she's behaved since I've married her. Gallivanting all over Europe, spending my money like water. I haven't seen her in six months. Didn't try to deceive you. <laughs> you stupid fool, she's always been a trollop. She double-crossed you from the first, just as she double-crossed me. Don, Don, what's the matter with you? Keep away from me. Everything, everything I ever had. My wife, my friends, my self-respect, everything but the air I breathed. Gallico the Great, magician extraordinary. That's funny, isn't it? Gallico the Clown, Gallico the Stupid Fool. There's one trick you've never seen, Ross, that no magician has ever dared to try. But I can't do it alone. You've got to help me. In fact, you'll be the star. Don, Don, don't be the great magician extraordinary. Get out of here, Will. Why don't you laugh at me now? Don, the blade! Go on, laugh! Don, the blade! Laugh! Laugh! Go on, laugh! Okay, everybody, that's going to wrap up this episode. Once again, I want to thank Jared for being on the show. Real good guy, and he's got a lot of cool stuff going on, along with the other guys at the Longbox Crusade. Definitely check that out. Um, you know, their feeds on uh, Apple Podcasts and all those different places where you can find it. And you can find them on Twitter as well. I'll have all that stuff in the show notes, and uh, hopefully I can get Jared on again. He's a busy guy. He's got a lot going on, but hopefully I can uh, uh, pull him away from the uh, Longbox guys to... Uh, jump on the show here one more time with me and we can uh, talk about something else so uh, stay tuned for that all right take care